you may be seated. Thank you, worship team. Gosh, it's good to be back. I, uh, I've been out a couple weeks. I had uh, got to go visit my, our young adult kids, and then I caught the mother of all colds. Did you realize that when you take your masks off, the viruses come in, all of them? Uh, not just COVID, but cold viruses too. So it's good to be back and actually see your faces. My name is Suzanne Vogel. I'm the lead pastor for both our Meredith Drive and our Bridge campus. And it is good to be with you, whether you are online or here in the room. Uh, this morning, we celebrate Pentecost in the life of the church. And as, we were, as I was thinking about Pentecost, I was remembering a summer in college. When I was a sophomore in college, just graduated, I spent six weeks in Tanzania, East Africa. And before we went, my team was encouraged to spend some time and give some energy to learning some conversational Swahili. Now, because I was a college student, I heard procrastinate until the last minute and then cram. And so I sat on a plane from New York to Hamburg and to then uh, Tanzania and learned exactly six phrases uh, because, you know, that's all I would really need, right? That's what college students imagine. And so, um, so I learned hello, which is jambo, and thank you, which is asante sana. I learned please, which is tafaldi. I see I'm not even, this is years later and I'm still not saying it right. And where is the toilet, which I won't share the translation for you. Um, but it turns out, shockingly, that people don't speak slowly or in one-word sentences. Shocking, right? I mean, who knew? I still remember uh, spilling out of the airport into the capital of Tanzania, which is Dar es Salaam, and feeling completely overwhelmed and realizing how ill-equipped I was to navigate in this culture where I did not understand the language. Now, I'm happy to say over the next several weeks, I slowly picked up some additional phrases. I stumbled my way through pronunciations. I uh, asked a lot of questions. I was teased mercilessly by small children who could not believe how slow my learning curve was. My brain was working all the time straining to hear phrases that would be familiar and working to both listen for words I recognize and process what was being said or how I could communicate what I was trying to say. It was exhausting and humbling. And I have a permanent admiration for our sisters and brothers who flee other countries because of violence and leave their home languages to come and speak in a tongue that is not their own. I have to tell you, it is such hard work. But it was also really gratifying, right? I remember one time uh, I was in the marketplace and the first time I managed to sort of haltingly in Swahili uh, navigate and then uh, barter for a shawl that a woman had in her, uh, in her store. And uh, I don't know what made her more excited, uh, getting me to pay too much or the fact that I was actually trying in her language. It was beautiful. 
Now, I have to tell you, I worked really hard that summer, not just to survive, but because I wanted to connect with these people who were welcoming me so hospitably. See, language is critical to relationships. Now, I understand, right, that verbal language isn't everything, right? A lot of communication is nonverbal. But here's the thing. Words are required to express ideas and dreams and fears. Words create worlds. Worlds build up and they tear down. They have the power to create and to destroy. They tell us where we are rooted and where we belong. Now, if you don't believe me, I bet I can tell where you are from by what you call this. Do you call it a pop or a soda? Or maybe you call it a Coke, right? There are parts of the country that do that. I don't understand it, but they call this a Coke, right? I bet I can tell where you are from or a region by whether you say y'all or you guys, right? And my guess is that one of the things that ties your family together, for example, is what you call the patriarch of your family. Is he called grandpa or opa or papa or g-dog? It's not my family, <laughs> but I know there are families who that's what they call their grandpa, right? And I can tell in an instant how well somebody knows me by whether they call me Suzanne or Susan. I mean, I should know. Because the people who know me best, you all, right, know I'm Suzanne. And nobody calls me Suze except my husband and my siblings. And they do. See, I love how theologian Willie James Jennings says this. Language is the sinew of the existence of a people, the connecting, right, tissue. My people, our language. To speak a language is to speak a people. Now, it's into this reality that I want you to hear again the story of Pentecost. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open it on your phone, or, or if you know you're analog like me, you've got your Bible. Uh, if you don't have it, you can follow along on the screens. But let's turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Now, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire falling that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, 
Pontus and Asia, Ferga and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some of them, however, made fun of them, saying, they have had too much wine. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, so before ascending into heaven, Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go wait together because I am going to send from the Father the Holy Spirit. And there's going to be, you are going to be clothed with power from on high. Now that sounds kind of awesome, does it not? And so I've, they have now gathered in this room to wait for the power, to pray for the power. Now, you can't tell me that they did not try to figure out what was going to come next, because I would totally be trying to figure out what was coming next. I mean, power from on high, that sounds awesome, right? Maybe it's going to be the power to, like, heal the sick and cast out demons, only, well, they've kind of already started doing that, so that's not new. Maybe, maybe it's power to be more like God, or maybe it's power to overthrow the Roman Empire, only that doesn't, you know, totally sound like Jesus. So I'm guessing they were really not sure what was going to happen, but I bet money they never envisioned what actually happened next. I mean, it, it sounds familiar to us, but imagine them, right? First of all, there's this rushing loud sound of wind coming and then tongues of fire come down and then the spirit fills the house first and then it falls on each of the individuals it's all leading to this crescendo of people speaking in other languages what i mean they this is the power we were waiting for this this is the miracle i mean they went from a perfectly calm Reformed Church in America prayer gathering. And then the Spirit comes. And the next thing they know, there's chaos. Multiple languages are being spoken. And they are accused of being drunk. This is weird. This is the miracle? What is happening? But see, here's the thing. I think if we can look a little deeper, something incredibly miraculous is happening. Now, let me see if I can explain it. Up until recently in the story of the people of God, if you wanted to draw near to God, you had to draw near to a place. A particular building, in fact, the temple. The presence of God, in fact, was located in a room, even. The Holy of Holies. That's why in verse 5, all of these people had come from all around the world. Because if they wanted to worship God, they had to come to the place. They had to come to the building. And so they've traveled from every part of the known world. The temple is the ultimate experience of attractional ministry. God built it and they came. However, 
That's inconvenient if you live very far away from Jerusalem, right? And can you imagine if that were still true today? So then Jesus arrives, and God's presence was now located in an extraordinary person, right? A man. And if you wanted to follow God, you followed Jesus. Jesus came to show us, to translate, right, what God was like. But again, that's also limited by time and geography and language, right? God's presence in an extraordinary man wouldn't have helped us today. But then in this Pentecost moment, everything changes. See, the presence of God goes from being in a place to being in a person to being in a people. A people. God's spirit comes and indwells normal, everyday people. And those people aren't supposed to just hang out with people who are like them, but they are being sent now to other people. And how is that going to happen? By speaking their language. How can they hear if they do not hear the good news? This is the miracle of Pentecost. Now, I think it can be difficult to understand the power of hearing your language if you've only ever been surrounded by your mother tongue. I can still remember the moment that summer when I went to Tanzania that I got on a plane in Germany. I was exhausted and overwhelmed again, partly because I was really sad to leave these people I had grown to love, but I was also really excited to get home to my people and I hadn't been sleeping. And so I sank into my seat and I closed my eyes and I can still remember realizing I could understand people around me. I could understand the couple in front of me who were having a very mundane conversation about what they were going to need to do when they got back to New York. And I could laugh at the bad dad joke that was happening behind me and the two little kids who giggled because I could understand it. I remember, I don't think I've ever enjoyed so much being told where the uh, emergency exits were on a plane as I did that day. Because it was the sound of my home. It was the sound of my people. Some of you have had that experience. I can see you're nodding along. But others of us who've never left the United States maybe don't understand the power of that space. And this was the ultimate plan of God that people would hear about the love of God in the same language their mother sang lullabies to them. That people would hear in a way that connected with their heart and their mind. Because remember what Willie James Jennings said, to speak a language is to speak of people. And God speaks people fluently. I love this quote. James goes on to say, And God, with all the urgency that is in the Holy Spirit, wants the disciples of his only begotten Son to speak people fluently too. This is the beginning of the revolution. Friends, the power of Pentecost 
is the power to leave the safety and the comfort and the uniformity, the uniformity of the upper room. It means embracing the chaos, the humility, and even the misunderstanding that comes with going out and meeting people where they are in their language and on their terms. It is the love that drives us into the world and invites us into the lives of people who are really different than us. Now, unfortunately, I just think that maybe at times the modern church has lost a little bit of sight of this. Much of the church growth movement of the past several decades has focused on attractional ministry. Build it and they will come. We've asked our neighbors to come to us if they want to experience the presence of God. Join us. Come to our building. Speak our language. And oh, by the way, if you don't think we have a language, ask someone who hasn't grown up in church what the word sanctification means. I mean, we have a language. And here's the thing. That was, that probably worked better when more people grew up learning the language of the church, right? When more of the folks who we live and work with grew up hearing words like narthex and hymnal. But today, that is no longer true. And the ways that the language of America and the language of the church were intertwined, both good and bad, are dying. They are not coming back. We are an increasingly pluralistic people who speak lots of languages and have lots of cultures. And Pentecost, the good news of this passage is that we don't have to grieve that. The American church is not dying. The goal was never to get people into our chairs. It was to get people the good news of the gospel. And that we have boundless opportunity to do right now. Here's the thing. Pentecost compels us to ask, where is the Holy Spirit taking me? And into whose life? Now here's the, also the good news. The Reformed Church in America, and this church in particular, Meredith Drive and the Bridge, have a rich history of asking this question and responding with obedience. Our denomination has a legacy of people who laid down their comfortable lives and their mother tongues to join others. I think of the Scudders in India or the Vanden Boshes in Mozambique. In fact, this month, if you are part of our daily devotions, you'll be getting every day another story of a family or a couple or an individual who has joined others for the sake of the kingdom. We also locally have a rich history of this, right? This church sent Mike Van Rees to Ankeny. It's what led Jim and Cheryl Van Wielden, who are members of our church, to help start JCA, the video we just watched. And it's what has led JCA to take a step of faith because they've had the incredible opportunity of purchasing a $5 million building on the south side 
for only two and a half. Is that correct, Don Donna? I haven't got my numbers right. <laughs> and you know what? There's a matching donor of a million dollars that will match every dollar we can give to reach a different neighborhood in a different place. Where is the Holy Spirit taking us? And into whose life is a question our ad board has been asking as well. See, we've been recognizing there is a growing generation that are called digital natives. Have you heard this language? See, it's used to describe anybody who grew up with technology in their hands. I am not a digital native. I am a digital immigrant. I have come reluctantly into the land of digital technology. But the research increasingly shows that digital natives process differently. They communicate differently. Let me give you some examples. For example, they process pictures, sounds, and videos before text. They prefer parallel processing and multitasking. This is why my children have approximately 40 tabs open in their internet browser on their uh, computer, and they're texting on their phone, and they're pulling something up on their tablet. It's natural for digital natives. This is how it, they work. They expect engagement and relevant, re relevance. Ugh. They process information quickly and randomly and across multiple sources. I, let me say again, am not a digital native. I am a digital immigrant. I love text. You can see by the beauty of my slides, right? Black with white text. This is, this is who I am. I, uh, I like thinking logically. Drives me crazy to have more than three tabs open on my browser. I do not intuitively know what sounds like good news to the next generation. I don't. Pastor Sarah does. Pastor Johnny does. In fact, if you've watched Pastor Johnny's videos that he creates, you know he speaks digital native fluently. And that's why we've commissioned him to spend the next year experimenting with virtual ministry to create a community that bridges to our digital native generation in different ways than we can do by coming here, sitting in rows, and listening to someone preach a sermon. In fact, if you want a visual evidence of the clear difference between a, a digital immigrant and a digital native, uh, check the next slide. Yeah, Johnny created that one. Do you see how much different it looks than mine? <laughs> and it, it explains the core values of our virtual ministry, that it will be Jesus-centered and biblically driven and relationally oriented and intellectually curious and fully accountable these are the realities of the ministry that we're launching. And if you want to hear more about that, go to our website. We actually did a webinar about this. But it's exciting. I can't wait to see what God will do when we speak in different languages to the next generation. Friends, the world around us has never been more diverse 74 languages are spoken in Johnston High School right now. I know it would be easy to feel threatened by that reality. 
to want to retreat into a quiet room where we all agree and everything is familiar. But here's the thing. If God had done that, I would be lost in my brokenness and sin. But love refused to stand apart from me and from you. Love pursued us. Love sacrificed for us. Love stripped itself and came near. The word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. Thanks be to God. And in a miracle of wind and power, love compels us to go out and to connect others through that same love with our very lives. Sometimes I wonder if this last year was more about getting us out of our buildings and into our neighbors' lives. So let me close by saying again, speak a language, speak a people. Who is the Spirit taking you to today. Let's pray. God, I thank you that indeed you did not stand apart. That you did not expect that uh, we would know how to get to you, but you came for us. And I... The miracle of that astounds me. And yet, I think sometimes I take it for granted. I think we take it for granted. So many of us have just grown up in the people of God. We know the language. We know what to do. We know how to talk. And yet, we are surrounded by people who need to hear and experience your love in their language. To experience a love that goes towards them and meets them where they are. And so would you make us increasingly a people and a church who are willing to be uncomfortable and who are willing to go and who are so consumed by your love that we're willing to be your love. In Jesus' name, amen.